Welcome to the Fried Harman Leadership Podcast from the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership, the podcast dedicated to developing and encouraging spiritual leaders for the kingdom. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 7, and we're so thankful that you're listening to the FHU Leadership Podcast. And today I have Dr. Donnie DeBoer back with me. He's the first, second-time guest on the podcast. All right, Josh, I appreciate this opportunity. We uh, love you guys and so glad to do this. I know this is going to be a great uh, blessing for the kingdom and great blessing for the school. Well, we're glad to have you, and, and I just learned that the reason you're coming back is because you like listening to that music so much. That is some awesome music. Hey, it gets us going, you know, gets us ready to go, bring, bringing us into the show. So today, uh, Donnie, we're going to talk about the authority of elders. And so what context, um, we're just going to kind of discuss this out together, and, and what context do we often hear that thrown around, the authority of elders? Yeah. You know, Josh, whenever we think about authority in a congregation, we immediately see that we need to be going somewhere. So that's the first thing that perhaps we need to think about, that if we're going to have an authoritative leader, that means that there is somewhere we need to be going, some direction the church needs to take. So obviously there's got to be someone that takes the initiative and leads us in the direction that we need to go. Now, if we're working biblically, that begins with Jesus. The Bible says that God has given Christ as head of the church and is presented as a gift that God has given to God's people, that we have Jesus to be our leader. He's our head, our representative, and he has made all the decisions that really matter. The most important decisions have been made by Jesus. And as long as we are following his law, following the pattern for New Testament Christianity, we're going to do well. But as we see that authoritative uh, position of Christ being lived out amongst people, we immediately run into the need to have that authority uh, in place in people so that they're able to lead the rest of the body appropriately. So as we're doing that, we see that God has placed men in congregations that are called elders who have been given authority by God to take care of these other decisions and to take care of directing the congregation in the way that it should go. But this authoritative position that's been given to elders has to be exercised very carefully in our current context because, you know, if you tell someone to do something they don't want to do, they're just not going to do it. Uh, whenever <laughs> we are working in a congregation, we have to use our influence to lead people to do great things. We cannot force anybody to do anything, but we can perhaps inspire them to do great things. And as we build those relationships with individuals, as we are elders or striving to be elders or as ministers or even our Bible school teachers, as we are building these relationships, then we are able to influence people to do great things for the Lord and influence them to live great life because we have those relationships. All right. You said several things there. I want to, I want to back up and kind of unpack a few of the things that you said there. First of all, you were talking about there needs to be authority and there needs to be someone who has the role of living out the authority in the church today. And so really the, the elders have the primary responsibility of pointing us in the direction we should go. That's right. Setting the vision for the church. Mm -hmm. That's really the, the only role that they have that no one else has exclusively. Everybody else is supposed to be involved in evangelism mm -hmm. and loving and ministering to one another right. and uh, teaching the word mm -hmm. of God. But the elders have the sole responsibility of setting forth the vision and the direction of the church. Right. And so they are leaders selected from amongst the church to help 
point the church then in that direction. So mm -hmm. ultimately, the greatest authority exists with Christ, mm -hmm. and then after Christ, the local church, correct? That's right. And as we look at that, we see an emphasis that we need to pick up in our preaching, our teaching, and as we're discussing things with elders, uh, I find that usually whenever a congregation, you've probably experienced this too, is ready to install new elders, they'll say, all right, uh, Josh, I want you to preach a series of lessons on the qualifications of elders. Mm -hmm. And that's good. We need to do that. And we need to do it regularly too, so that we can have men aspire to live a life that is the quality to be in that office. But I think we also need to preach on what elders are actually supposed to be doing mm -hmm. because we can have some good men, but if they're not involved in leading work, involved in doing the things that they're supposed to be doing, uh, we're going to still be in a mess that we've, you know, the same lack of leadership, the same apathy, the same lack of direction that we were in before. One of the passages that I like to go to is over in Acts chapter 20, as the Apostle Paul is telling the Ephesian elders all the things that he had done while he was there in Ephesus. We begin there in Acts 20, uh, 17, as Paul calls to himself the elders of the church at Ephesus. Now, as I've been teaching this here and preaching through it several times, I, I thought, you know, Paul has already done these things there in Ephesus. These elders know what Paul has done. Why is he telling them again? Perhaps it's not so much to just remind them of what he's done, but to encourage them to do the same things that he was doing. And so this is helpful, I think, to show elders and to show ministers, to show all of us really, what it is that we're supposed to be doing as church leaders and church members. So we have the emphasis upon the elders. We see their authoritative structure here as they are first of all called elders there in verse 17. Uh, this is uh, talking to us about how they are older men that are respected in the community. These are the church community. These are the people that people are already looking to. They're already looking to these men for respect because they're older, because they've lived life, they've lived life well, and now they have so lived their life that other people want to be like them. This is their influence, but now here they're recognized as elders here in verse 17. We also see in verse 28 that they are these bishops or overseers. They are the episcopoi that are looking over the congregation. Now, as they're looking over the congregation there in verse 28, it's not that they're just dictating every little thing, but they're looking out at the church to see what needs to be done. They're seeing what adjustments need to be made overall, and then looking at different people's lives and saying, you know, that person has a lot of potential. We need to start working on them. This individual hasn't been to worship on Sunday night in a while. Maybe we need to go visit them, see what's going on. Uh, this person's contribution hasn't been what it used to be. Maybe we need to make sure that they're doing okay, see if we can help them out. So they are overseers. We also see there in verse 28 that they are shepherds or pastors as they are nurturing the flock. So again, this is an authoritative position that these men have, this one office described in these three ways here in Acts 20. But it is an authoritative position that they have because they're sharing God's will, they have a love for the people, and they have a relationship with these people that they are able to utilize to help them live for God's glory as best they can. So these elders then are setting the stage for the congregation as they are leading well, first of all, in their own life, using their influence 
to glorify God in the local congregation, but then also in personal evangelism, because as Paul details what he's doing here in Acts 20 and 17 through the end of the chapter, it's all about teaching the Bible. It's all about teaching the gospel. This has always got to be the main thing. This has always got to be the emphasis, is sharing the gospel with God's people and, of course, with the lost. This has always got to be our priority. Uh, if something else starts creeping into our time, maybe in elders' meetings or just in what we do throughout our life, if something becomes um, more important to us than evangelism, more important than people, more important than connecting people with God, we need to restructure our meetings, restructure our life, restructure our worship service, uh, restructure our programs, whatever needs to happen so that the main thing remains the main thing. There's no question about what Paul's emphasis is. Now, he does a wonderful job of training up Luke, Timothy, Silas, Titus. All of these men are being trained by Paul, future church leaders, intergenerational ministry. But look how Paul does it. He's always, involved, he's always involved in teaching, always involved in preaching, sharing the gospel. And so what's Timothy and Titus going to do? What's Luke going to be doing? What's Silas going to do? Well, they're going to be doing what Paul did, teaching and preaching the word. And this is what the church is you know, supposed to be doing. This is supposed to be our number one emphasis is sharing the gospel with people, uh, be it the saved or the lost, so that God is glorified through the uh, message of the cross. Amen. So... So there's this authority that they have. You're talking about two concepts here. You're talking about the positional authority they have as overseers, as bishops of the church, to watch out and to shepherd the church of God. Mm -hmm. So there's this innate authority that they have as overseers to, to set the direction of the church right. and to make decisions about the church in matters of opinion. Mm -hmm. and, and so the, the church selects them to guide them, to lead mm -hmm. them. So the 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 authority of the church is designated or given to the group of elders right. to then guide and direct them. And so there's this positional authority. Mm -hmm. But then let's talk about this other issue that you're bringing up, and that is positional authority is kind of that traditional authority. You follow me because I'm the boss. You follow me because I have this authority. I'm in the position. But what you were saying is, is that Really, the Bible doesn't emphasize that authority so much as why we should follow them, but primarily it emphasizes the concept of relational authority. That is that elders serve as examples to the flock. They are shepherds to the flock who watch over and we follow. And so you were talking and using the term influence mm -hmm. and examples. So let's kind of flesh that out a little bit and think a little more about that. So. Why should men consider their influence and their relational authority, maybe even greater than their positional authority? And, and what are the dangers if you only think about your positional authority and you don't see the significance of relational authority? Okay. I want to be careful not to divorce those two things. Yeah. They have to be there together. Uh, as we go back to Acts 20, uh, we see that you have been made elders by the Holy Spirit so that there is this... Uh, divine uh, saying, this is it, right? Uh, you guys, the church has selected these men. These are the ones that you would like to lead you. And so that is, it seems there in Acts 20 and 28, confirmed by God that this is the way that this particular congregation is now to be structured. And so there is that positional authority that is very real. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to diminish that in any way. 
But especially in our culture, the main way that authority is effective is this relational thing. Um, if we just send out a mass email to the congregation and say, you know, uh, we need to meet together on Monday nights now too. Mm-hmm. We, well, you might get some folks there. But if you go around and you start talking to people and you have these elders that are visiting in homes, they're there when people are hurting and people are having great days too. What you're going to find is that these emails, these, you know, when we, whenever elders have to say this is the way it is, these things are going to be a lot more effective because of the time invested previously. But then also, if we will actually go to these folks and talk to them about why this is beneficial, you say, this is this gospel meeting. This is going to be a great opportunity, and we need you to be there. This is how you can help. This is your place in this particular effort. So you're using that relationship then to lead people the way that they need to be led, to lead them uh, into greater acts of service, maybe deeper Bible study, maybe greater participation in worship services, or maybe they need to step up and be elders and deacons or ministers uh, in the future or start training for those things. But all of those things have to be relational. We see that with Paul and Timothy uh, as Paul finds Timothy, and he just takes him right? You can imagine how difficult that would have been for his mother and grandmother, for that whole community that had, it seems, begun to look to Timothy as an example. But now Paul takes him as his apprentice. He's going to teach him, train him, and make him to be who he can be through that relationship. Now, as we were here at Fried Hardman uh, training up uh, our preachers or youth ministers uh, and, you know, great church leaders for the future, we see that relational aspect so important that we're here with these young people and we're able to, uh, through the relationships that we build, encourage them to do uh, greater things than we'll ever be able to accomplish ourselves. So as we have those relationships, we need to use them to the best of our ability. A few, and yeah. I was going to say, that goes in with what we were just reading from in Acts chapter 20 and mm-hmm. Paul talking so much about his relationship he had with them and how his, he had such great influence upon them. And then he's talking about their role in exerting that same influence upon the church there at Ephesus. Yeah. It reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter, or 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter also exhorts them, the elders there and him as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ mm-hmm. to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So that's the, the positional authority, mm-hmm. not under compulsion. So it's not just demanding these things without an understanding, but willingly, as mm-hmm. God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So they're not doing this for, for solely for profit, but they're doing this willingly. They're not doing this out of force, but they're doing this out of a desire to serve Christ, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Right. And so not using the positional authority in any kind of domineering or abusive way, mm-hmm. a way that is detached but rather attempting to be an example and say this is the way to go follow us it's that it's that shepherd model right. of, of of authority and i think that really conveys it's a servant heart so elders mm-hmm. are really in, in deacons and but as we're thinking about elders they're really in ministers are the emphasis service they are they are appointed to serve the church right. and to to guide the church in a role of service. Right. So they're serving the church through this leadership that's very relational. Mm-hmm. There is that positional authority that's important, but it's relational, and that's how they're serving. They're serving through teaching. 
And this is their main thing. You remember back in Acts 6, as the apostles say, that we will not give up the ministry of the word and prayer. So they understand that they need to be praying and they need to be teaching the word. Now, as we look at this discussion that we've been having, mm -hmm. I've been thinking about how we could compare that to preaching. Because as we look at preaching, if you're just up there in the pulpit in an empty room, you're not doing very much. Mm -hmm. You're not going to accomplish anything except maybe teach yourself something. But uh, sometimes I'm afraid that elders sort of operate that way. Uh, we might meet in our special elders' office and not spend enough time with the people. And those meetings that we have with elders or elders are having in those offices, that uh, what great benefit could be made isn't going to make it out of the office until they're actually interacting with the people and talking to them. And then when difficult decisions do come, then the congregation's going to be able to accept that a lot better because those relationships are built. I think we see a lot of this in Hebrews 13, 17. Uh, Josh, there the Bible says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. And so there's that positional authority, that these guys are your leaders. Mm -hmm. But then we have the relational aspect. They keep watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. You see, they're not just making decisions, but instead they're taking care of you. They are there with you. So they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. But then he says, so that they may do this with joy, not groaning, for this would be unhelpful for you. In uh, this one verse, we see their position as the leader. We see what it is they're doing and how that involves relationship. But then we see the mutual relationship that's enjoyed there at the end of the verse as the elders are leading with joy. But if they're leading with joy, it seems that the congregation's going to have joy as well. So if we're going to have joy amongst these what are sometimes viewed as two groups, mm -hmm. we've got to spend time together. Yeah. We have to be together, build those relationships so that we can enjoy one another. Someone has to be the leader and someone has to be the follower. But we are going to have those relationships there together, built over time uh, in different ways. However, that quality time is built in particular congregations is um, a matter of expediency. But those things have got to be done. You've got to find ways to spend time with one another so that you can fulfill that command to love one another and so that you can actually enjoy one another. As we see here uh, in Hebrews 13, 17, this is the goal, that we actually have joy in leading now we, we've look, got to know one another yeah we, we, we it's just this time together of both outside church worship you know in fellowship knowing what the sheep are going through knowing what the members are facing uh really being attuned and so then allow that and the members need to know the elders mm -hmm. and because they have to give heed at acts chapter 20 28 to themselves mm -hmm. and so the elders are facing life that's right they're facing challenges they're facing their own challenges in their marriage and with their children, with, with various things they're dealing yeah. with. And so their example kept, it allows the members to see this is how Christ is lived out yeah. in this world in a flesh and blood example. Yeah. Now, one of the old questions we used to ask is, would we know one another in heaven? Maybe another important question is, do we know one another in the church? Yeah. If, if we don't know one another now, why are we worried about it in heaven? So if we're going to be effective leaders, if we're going to be effective followers, if we're going to be good servants, encouraging one another, loving one another, we really do need to spend that time developing those relationships. And those relationships will produce elders quite naturally. 
uh, whenever we pick elders or we choose elders, we're usually looking to these people who are already doing the job. Mm -hmm. Do you notice that? They're already leading. They're already using that example. They may not have the office, but they are already the person that the rest of the church is looking to. And those are the people that you want, not the people that um, maybe go around politicking before trying to, trying to get enough votes. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for people that have earned that right through relationships, through their sterling uh, life, their sterling uh, character. This is the, the type of people that need to be leading God's people. Yeah, Ferg, Ferguson in his book, uh, Church of Christ, talks about, in the section on leadership, talks about the idea that in appointing leaders, the church recognizes men who are models in their example. They're models in service. They're models in evangelism, models in uh, ministering to the flock. And so then the church puts them up as leaders to help guide them in that. So you, it's not like you appoint them and they become that. They need to be this whether they are in that position or not. Right. It's really dangerous to say, well, I hope this guy works out. Yes. Right. No, you know, Paul says he's not to be a novice. Mm -hmm. He's to be someone who has demonstrated this is the way I'm going to be. We don't need to go to uh, worship or you know, run into one of our elders or anyone else in church for that matter and wonder, I wonder how he's going to be today. I wonder what his attitude's going to be like. We need to have known that person long enough to know this is his character, and it's a character that I want to be. Mm -hmm. This is a life, an attitude, a relationship with God that I want to have. This is someone that I want my son to be like. This is someone that I want to try to be like myself. Yes. So as we kind of wrap all these things up, and hopefully these thoughts have been helpful and, and challenging, uh, thinking for, for elders out there and those aspiring to be elders, for, for deacons and ministers to think about these things about uh, not just relying, certainly there's a positional authority, but not just relying upon that, recognizing that that positional authority is going to be respected and it's going to be followed when there's also a relationship component and when you know the sheep and when they can see your example and they are then willing to follow you as a loving shepherd mm -hmm. and you guide them and lead them. And so there's this both both. Uh, components are necessary. And so as we kind of wrap all this up, uh, any any tips or practical things? We talked about, you know, actually knowing one another, but any tips or practical things on how we can do this more in the church? We've got to spend time together outside of the worship assembly. Whenever we come together for the worship assembly, uh, we're not interacting that much. You might have five minutes before and five minutes after, but we have really got to develop some way of being together outside the worship assembly so that we're actually spending time and developing these relationships and we can see the Christian life modeled for us. Now, the, you know, my favorite way to do that's a fellowship meal, uh, but there are a whole ton of activities that we could do together that are just gonna be beneficial. We need to be involved in the work of the Lord. So maybe some older men wanna take some younger men and show them how to do a home Bible study. Take them along and uh, show them, this is how we encourage those that haven't been around church in a while. So those things are very productive. You're not just uh, spending time together, but you're actually putting them uh, through some on-the-job training. Uh, you're showing them this is something that is awesome, that needs to be done, and you can do it well. I think we also need to celebrate our elders a lot more. Mm -hmm. they, they have a difficult job, and we as congregations need to be sure that we present our elders, our preachers, and our Bible class teachers, but since we're talking about elders, we need to be sure that we present the elders as people that we love, respect, admire, and we love these people so much that we want other people to be like them. And we want to have more elders in the future. 
right? A lot of congregations have difficulty finding elders because it's a pretty difficult job and maybe the church makes it especially difficult. So we want to try to reverse that. We want to prize these men just like we do with preachers. We want to elevate them so that this is a job that men will aspire to have. They see the church loves these people, and this job is really awesome. It needs to be done. Yeah. It's something great. It's something sacred that I can do, something I can be involved in. And if we'll treat it like that, rather than run the elders down every Sunday, run the preacher down every Sunday, stop doing that. Instead, love these people. Have them in your home. Honor them and talk about them well. And, and then do follow them, as we see here in Hebrews 13, 17, so that they can do this with joy. And other people are going to want to be great elders, too. And one thing I would say, too, those are great suggestions. And I, I full, fully agree with you that we need to encourage them more. We need to honor them. And, and we need to certainly not be speaking negatively about them and always harping on their, uh, their faults. And so speaking to, the, to those who are in leadership, I would say, too, that recognize that that you're not perfect you know that personally so don't try to give off the impression to the church that you have everything figured out that you're not struggling with issues and that that you're not wanting to still grow as an individual and that you're and so i think there needs to be a level of vulnerability a level of approachability that if elders can not insulate themselves from the church but open themselves up to the church then they allow their example to be seen because this example that is seen is really seen in your willingness to repent, your willingness to grow, your willingness to, to admit, hey, we got that wrong, but here's what we're going to do about it. And so the vulnerability that I think sometimes we're afraid to show actually endears people to us and it causes them to want to follow us more and to respect our, our authority more. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would suggest to elders out there and ministers out there, you know, in, never try to pose, never try to give off this impression that, that we're above you or we're different than you and we've got it all together. But be an example mm -hmm. in, in your spiritual faith. And I think that that will help people in following you both positionally and relationally. Yeah, we could have seen that done very well during COVID mm -hmm. as we go through, I went through that pandemic. Hopefully we don't. I have to do that again uh, but you know we say this is the best we know how to do yeah we're, we're striving to do the best we know how to do we're not sure what the right thing is but we're we're going to go this way because we think this is the best thing for all of us as far as our walk with God and keeping us safe um, if we'll keep that same sort of an attitude throughout life with these uh, matters of opinion that elders are tasked to just make decisions on uh, then we'll go a lot farther I think yeah. people will give you grace they will. If you're gracious. If you're gracious. Mm -hmm. And if, if you're willing to uh, to be open and transparent about it. And I think that's a part of these verses that we've been reading and talking about. And what Paul's encouraging those elders at, at Ephesus mm -hmm. on, the, on the port of Miletus to do is that he's talking about his attitude. And he's encouraging them to take heed to themselves mm -hmm. as they watch over the flock of God. Donnie, I appreciate you being with us. Any, anything else? I hit the wrong button there for a minute. Anything it's okay, else Josh. I'll be gracious to you. You'll be gracious. I'm going to be gracious to you with that wrong button. No, we appreciate you so much, and we love elders. They have a job that is very Amen. difficult, and we appreciate them so much for doing their very best, and I believe that most of our elders are doing their very best. They do not get enough appreciation, 
And I hope that we can make uh, our congregations or help our congregations to see that we should celebrate these men and encourage young men to be elders, encourage them to be preachers, show them this is something sacred, something awesome they can do uh, for God, something that's going to have an eternal impact. And we need, like Christ knew, we needed examples amongst us. Not only do we need leaders who point the way, but we need examples. That's why he came. That's, That's why he came. And so he gives us the example, and then elders are following the chief shepherds and their shepherds for us to give us that example. And so we're grateful for those examples. We want to encourage those examples, and we want to edify and build them up. And so hopefully this podcast today has even been encouraging to remind them of their positional authority, that they are overseers, but also of their relational authority, that they are shepherds Mm -hmm. and that they are examples to the flock of God. And and hopefully to inspire young men out there listening and deacons out there listening to to want to live that out in their life, uh, to be uh, leaders in the Lord's church. I was talking to a student the other day. He's a double major, and his Bible major is, he's getting this Bible major, Bible degree at Fried Hardman, so that he can be a good elder one day. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. That's great. That's great. Well, Donnie, thank you for being on the show. We encourage you to rate our show. We also um, want to begin thinking about our church leadership workshop, which will be at Mid-South Youth Camp. It's going to be on September 29th and 30th of 2023, and hope that you'll be making plans to attend that this coming year. Uh, Thank you once again, and we will look forward to being with you in future episodes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fried Harmon Leadership Podcast. For more great content and to see the services the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership offers, your local congregation, please visit www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Until next time, remember, God uses ordinary people to lead His people into extraordinary feats.